Welcome to Vase, a podcast about weird stuff. I'm Peter C. Hine, and joining me as always is the inimitable Stephen James Buckley for the second part of our illustrious interview with the illuminated Douglas Batchelor. This is the second part of a two-part episode, so if you haven't listened to the first part yet, please go and have a listen now. In that first part, we cover Doug's magical journey from being a kid with naturally animistic leanings in rural Canada to becoming a disillusioned atheist to becoming a punk rock chaos magician to becoming a ritual magician with his own high-flying magical podcast and how his indomitable positivity played a part in this journey. So if you haven't listened to that yet, you're really missing out. Now back over to you, Doug. So in the first episode, we talked about your positivity and the positive outlook that you have. And while we have possibly the most positive person in the whole of occult podcasting here on our show, I want to I, I want to talk to you about um, some of the darker side of magic and some of the ethical implications of this stuff. Because you talked a bit about the email I sent you, and I talked about fear in that. And I was raised Catholic, and I say this in just about every episode now. But it's important for me to understand magic through that way, because for one, on one side of it, I had magical thinking in my life since I was very very young, but it was a very very closed off type of thinking obviously you know where you the, the only magic is the magic of you know the the transubstantiation and god and all the rest of it or any other kind of magic is evil so i think my ethics and morality are very very influenced by that and um magic is easing me out of that sphere and you look at these books and you were saying about all the edgelords that you get and all these different books that you get and they go on about how dangerous some of this stuff is and how dark some of this stuff is. And so I wanted to talk to you, you seem to have quite a balanced outlook on all this, about some of the things that I've come across that I am sort of completely unsure of the ethics on them and what it means. The one that I wanted to start on was hexes, curses, defixiones, all that kind of thing, because I've read about that in a few books um, and um, I, I have a few books just about hexing and that kind of thing, but it seems like something that I wouldn't necessarily want to do. But what, what, like taking it back, what is a curse? What is a hex? How can they be used? What do they do? And how can they be used responsibly? So, like hexes and curses, that's it's as old as magic itself. Like it's one of those things where, okay, so I can't do something harmful with my own hands. So let's get some help doing some harm somehow to something or some some person uh, some some other person or group of people so long tenured of course like some of the oldest archaeological evidence that we have for magic is of curses and like things like we're still finding defixios so defixio is um like a tablet or a stone and sometimes it can even be uh, like paper usually a nail or something heavy is put on it uh, and it's just basically asking it's base. It's a curse. It's a lot of times, it's asking for like somebody revenge on somebody, and then they're usually dropped into the wells or into rivers and things of this sort. So, you know, um, curses for the most part, as old as magic. So I'm not going to say don't do, don't do curses for, but. For you, particular Peter, like if it doesn't, if it seems iffy to you, yeah, it is. It's such. It's such a thing where I'm not going to judge other people for doing it. And particularly in this day and age where everything seems so unjust that the only way that you feel like you can claw back some some kind of um, agency in a situation that has gone against you is through doing a curse or a hex. I I haven't done it. The last time I did a defixio was 2012. No, 2019. And I did do one. Um, I'm not sure if it worked. 
it might have worked because I no longer had the problem. It was like I was I was like removed from the equation. So like, I, I guess it worked. Um, so what I will say is this, though, and, and maybe this doesn't answer your question, is that engaging in is just kind of like going back to the conversation that we just had about positivity. When one does this kind of like it's been given names like left hand path or malefic magic because people like putting fucking labels on things so they can market it to you. So that you <laughs> buy into their courses, what you start to discover. And uh, yeah, you had, you had Dara on the show or was it? Yeah. You had Dara on the show. He said like magic is kind of self-regulating. Um, I think there is something to this. You engage in trying to harm other people with magic. Bad things tend to happen to you. At least I found myself. I, when I was doing that kind of stuff on a, on, on a more, I never really got into big into curses, but I was doing a lot of stuff where it was like against other people, uh, particularly when I had a job, a day job that I wasn't overly fond of. I, I found that I was getting sick a lot. I found that like, and I was not good things were happening. And so I just kind of stopped doing it. So, and it, it's, I don't know if it's correlated in some way, shape or form. When would it be okay to do a curse or whatnot? It's tough. I think, and this is just me, and this might sound like it comes from a very privileged position or just like the most trite shit on earth, but the best revenge is doing better yourself. The best revenge is working harder, making yourself a better person, not out of spite to like that other piece person will somehow see you. I don't know, driving a Rolls Royce while they're like begging for change, <laughs> but just like, just making yourself better and kinder. Like that is true revenge. And even if they never see you or know how good you're doing, that is the better way of engaging this kind of stuff. So I'm not going to say don't curse, go for it. It's f- kind of fun. The Fixios, the Fixios in general, because I mean, I like the, I like the Greek Roman stuff. That's, that's really fascinating to me. As like a, an, an anthropological retroactive uh, act of of ritual, it's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. I put I put mine in like streams, like freshwater streams. So going out and like finding a freshwater stream, particularly when you live in like a large city, that's fun and kind of cool. Um, no no wells anymore, um, but um, yeah. one could also say it's like littering. So no, when when can one when, when can one curse? It's tough. It depends on which person. And a lot of people I found, I hope I'm not singling people out, but in the U.S. there were certain situations in particular parts where it felt like certain corporations were doing things bad and a lot of people were without things like power and things like that. And I got emails from people who were like, how do we curse these people? And it's tough because I, I, I'm not going to tell them like, don't try. But it's also just kind of like trying to understand like it's – I don't know if this is the best way of going about it. Try to perhaps be more of an active participant in your community. Disasters, again, this comes from a very privileged position. Disasters sometimes happen perhaps to draw people together to remind us. Like, and it's not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to say this to relativize people's experiences. And this, yes, this is going to sound ghastly for some people, but in some ways, it's not like the disasters happen to try and bring you together, but it is a way of trying to remember how responsible and, and what, why communities exist. I'll put it that way. So um, that might be a really long-winded way of answering a question. From my personal experience, when you engage in that kind of magic, I just found bad things happening more. And did they work? 
A couple of times, yeah. <laughs> um, but I also was just like, at what cost? Yeah, I, I like that. And I, I like the obviously the self-regulating thing that we were talking about with Dara, and that that is shedding some light on that. But also, what I hadn't thought about was sort of checking my own privilege as well, because I I'm privileged enough to be, you know, like. Um, you know, a, a middle-aged man living in a part of the world where we have a, a legal system that to a greater or lesser extent works and to, to a greater or lesser extent, my job puts me part of that. And so that there is always other recourse for me. There'll be some people who are, I guess, in positions where they're completely powerless. And at that point, I suppose there's a, a an area where you think, well, actually, that is empowering someone who might otherwise be in an impossible situation. Uh, that's that's really really interesting to me. One of the the other things which is connected to this, but is almost the other side of it that I wanted to ask you about was love spells and like the the, the other forms of magical influence that are kind of on the lives and minds of others. You know what I mean when you when you're having that sort of. Uh, I mean that's the classic thing, isn't it? Your love and money. That's what people want when they first start magic. And do you think that? There, what's your sort of general overview of that sort of the love spell and do you think there is a place for it do i think there's a place for love spells uh, i think a lot of times because our our conceptualization of love these days has been highly psychologized for the most part and this isn't to say this to, to that i'm like i'm following a psychological model but a lot of times Maybe ask yourself why you think you need to use magic to try and get somebody's attention or somebody to fall in love with you. That's a very, it's a very good question to ask because there's a lot of people in the world and in the same way as like trying to do better by doing better by cursing somebody by doing better yourself. Another instance of trying to like, if not like get one person to be attracted to you, but just maybe somebody to be attracted to you. Go join a club. Like, and, and, and this is, the, I don't want to come off as like the Shatner get a life kind of like older dude, you know, like stop listening to Star Trek, but, uh, or watching Star Trek get a life. But it, it is really true. Like, I find a lot of people that use, that reach out to me to use love spells, it's because they have one person in particular that they want to have as a target. And I'm not saying no, don't. Um, love spells for the most part, they sometimes work and they sometimes work too well. Um, love is a very emotional, irrational thing. And sometimes you may be, to go back to curse, sometimes you may be cursed with getting exactly what you want. And that's what I found when I was engaging in love spells is that I wasn't specific enough in what things I was asking for in my spell work. So I got the thing. I got the target. Um, and I, I'd hate to sound like I'm talking about this person as if they're immaterial and that they were a target, but it, that's the best way of trying to put it to people. I got the thing that I wanted and it was maybe one of the worst possible things that could have happened to me. Um, that experience is only like, those are my only real Trello sex spells that did work as well. It was kind of awkward. I got the thing I liked. It was kind of like, mm, mm, okay. Um, so I understand the the want to try and do love spells, but again, I would I would ask yourself why do you think you need? It's it's 
also as old tenured as something like cursing, right? And money. These are these are the reasons that we use magic. And truthfully, it's it's really funny when you read a lot of modern magicians when they talk about like things that they won't do in the like tarot pulls or like they won't advise people on these things. Money, sex, love, and and cursing. It's like that's weird because that's literally what magic has been used for like the entire time. So I guess like what it's just for funsies. Let's talk. Let's talk about last years. I don't know. There's a really good chapter, isn't there, in Six Ways by Aidan Wachter about how how to take a different approach to the love spell thing, um, which I think he suggests creating a servitor that would make you come across people that you're likely to have a connection with, you know. So you know, when you're when you're like you you were saying at a club or a rock show or or whatever, um, you know that that uh, you know you can have a servitor that instead of you know the, the classic love spell instead brings into your path people who you may have a deeper connection with. And I really, really liked that. It's interesting because the two things that you asked about there, like cursing someone to do them harm and making someone fall in love with you, were the two things that when I first got a Chaos Magic book when I was like 16, something back in like 1997, they were the two things I tried to do with sigils. So they were technically my first attempt at magic. Didn't work. Um, And I don't think it was because I wasn't very good at jacking off. I don't. I think I. I think I got. I think I got that bit right. I, I, I'm almost certain that I got that bit right. But um, yeah, didn't work. Yeah, no. I, the love. The love thing is one of those things where I also I get a lot of emails from people. A lot of times asking for for magical advice, and I'm not going to be one of those people like only patrons can get magical advice for me. Um, I try to help people because I do say on my show, reach out to me. Um, a lot of people are, it's a lot of times it's people being like, I want my ex to get back with me or I want this person. And and for the most part, I just try to tell them like, sometimes you don't need magic for that. Try to just try to do a little bit better with yourself. Just start, start from home. Like start from, start, start with your own shit. And yeah, the Adrian Walker, Aiden Walker creating like the servitor. That's interesting. This idea also of like skinwalking is just like, try to bring in like a God, God forms or whatever you want to call it. Like, yeah, bring in Apollo. Like, do as much research and looking through the iconography of his Apollo as possible. Like, be that golden, that uh, the golden god. Like, try to bring that in to see like what can happen. That's more interesting than just trying to be like, I want spell make person fall in love with me. But that being said, if you go to any like, if you go to Mexico, you're gonna find a lot of like like bags of like trying to get love, and, then, and so it's all involved. It's fun to try. When I did it, I got the thing I wanted. It was not good for me. <laughs> so that's all I can say on that. Yeah, it's almost as if the the part of you that wanted to do that spell wanted that part that wasn't good. Yeah. If you see what I mean. It's almost yeah. like the, 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 perhaps it's almost to do with like knowing yourself and knowing that the part of you that desires this particular toxic thing, you know, and it's like... So I'm not explaining this very well. No, no, I I think that's a really good point. And it's going to take me on a bit of a tangent, but I was thinking a similar thing because I know myself part, part of what, and you asked about what vase was earlier as well. Part of it is, is trying to get to know myself better, you know, and, and 
I know that, and it's been well documented and Buckley's witnessed it, that I have a self-destructive streak that's a mile long, you know, and, and given a chance, I'll, I'll use something to harm myself, you know, it, given a long enough time frame. And, mm. and, and I'm trying to like learn about myself more so that I can stop doing that. But one thing that I'm absolutely sure of is that if I have had, if I had everything I wanted right now, if I had all my desires right now, I would be miserable. You yeah. know, I, I would, I would, I would absolutely ruin my life. I'd ruin the life of others you know, because that's that's the human element i, I think that, i think that if most people are honest with themselves i think that that, that they they'd agree you know because the things that you want at the moment are quite primitive like not well thought out desires so how do you think that people can come to it's the it's the same thing when you're creating sigils isn't it you know how do you create how do you know what to sigilize for how do you know what your magical targets should be you know what's your advice to help people get past this very sort of primitive desire based the lust for yeah, it's like it's like the chimp isn't it in the chimp paradox yeah that's it yeah i i would try to say like try to keep things as far as like targets and like how to start start doing magic and, and what to sigilize for try to keep things open-ended again and this might be the theme of this this whole show is that positive things things involving helping others things involving others like it's not that i want to i want to be the best burlesque dancer in the world the better target is that i want to meet other burlesque dancers and perhaps we start an organization like trying to bring more hands into the like more hands into the the, the pot I, I do think that magic when we get besides being uh, in its expression very artful i think it's very relational and how you relate to the world and one of the the best ways of seeing the efficacy of magic is involving other people, right? Yeah, you can just, I want car. I want, I don't know, like a puppy. I want nice house. I want, this is like, no, like I, I start to sigilize for things that involve other people and involving positive aspects of, of things and, and look at things almost like a house and that each one of those targets is like some kind of like a brick towards building and towards ultimately what, what you want. A lot of people these days, and I see it all over Instagram, and they're always just, and not, again, I'm not pointing out people particularly, but it's always about like, get money. I'll show you how to get money. I'll show you how to get the car. I'll show you how to do these kind of things. And it, it's not that, that you can't go towards those things. I just find magic more effective in my life when I'm helping other people, involving other people, um, doing things that involve like organization, and and creative endeavors that's the other thing is that my podcast has been in a huge way like a, uh, this this strange ancestral saint-based weirdo project involving cyprian and and my ancestors where i don't know where inspiration stops and the this kind of weird communication that i have with them uh begins because it just happens so easily so it's a lot of it has to do with not so much veneration of of the dead, but more so just trying to involve other spirits and, and bring them in. And that's one of those things that might spook people. And that's why I think a lot of people have this idea of like being dark is that like, I'm actively saying I live in this place. I need the dead that is here to have my back and to give me some cues as to where to go and what to do. And so that's that's the best thing to try and, and target for is is collaboration with people both real, dead, non-human, 
And we haven't even talked about animism, but maybe one of these days they'll have me back on, or they'll have Aiden on. Aiden will reappear from where, wherever he is um, and talk about like the relation that exists, not just with human beings, but that's the better thing to go. Like that's the better route to go. Less so being selfish about wants, but also being selfish with wants, but ones that involve more relational aspects of being in the world, right? Like I want, I, I don't just want a good house. I want a house in a place that has a farm that other people can have I, so I can grow food for other people. Like it's just trying to be positive. So what you were just talking about there as well brings me to the, the final dark thing that I wanted to ask you about. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, I'm going to lump a lot together in this. So sure. we might have, we might have to take it in pieces, but I'm talking about, um, which I think, like you were saying, might spook some people, but I'm talking about necromancy, negromancy, summoning demons, um, and summoning forces which are considered to be darker. You know, yeah. I'm talking about things like Lucifer, Hecate, that kind of thing. Um, so it has, a, it has a bad reputation traditionally, you know, when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons or whatever, you're the necromancers or the dark ones and that kind of thing. Um, and I know that this is almost like a trick question for listeners because i know that a lot of your practice and you've just hinted at that from what you were just saying base is based around this so could you explain what these things are and and how they can be a a positive force so necromancy if you're going to go back and look at historic magic necromancy is the name that was applied to anything that we can like be considered like conjuring spirits and that, that, that that's something that like stuck in the Renaissance. Another word that people are going to come across is something called Goetia, um, which is mentioned by this other guy called um, Agrippa, who's kind of like wrote the textbook for uh, magic in the West. It's a very important, influential book. I don't find it overly helpful, but um, other people, it's it's a very important work. Anyhow, so before necromancy was like the catch-all that was like applied to anything that was involving like what people would consider dark magic, Everybody's seen the movies. There's a circle on the floor. There's weird symbols in the circle. The per- there's smoke has filled the room. Candles everywhere. Perhaps a skull is somewhere, either on a table or on the floor. You, everybody's seen this cartoon or this 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 uh, this movie. Um, that is original. That is more like likely called than what we would call now negromancy. This is kind of like dark, darker magic, right? So there's a distinction that I'm trying to make a little bit with my show that like <laughs> necromancy for the most part is magic that involves uh, taking cues and and interacting with spirits of people that have died for the most part. I mean, there is animal-based necromancy, so people can also, as an animist, can apply to, I haven't done a lot of, or a lot, I haven't done any magic involving like dead pets or like the dead raccoon or anything like that. Not that I would need to in the in the neighborhood, but for the most part, I find that uh, I am interacting with not just like my um, ancestors who have passed on, gone elsewhere, uh, who knows where. I don't have an answer for that. Don't email me. I don't really know what happens after you die. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm sure I, I know something else happens. I just that's in that's that's just something I know. But um, necromancy, for the most part, is is is. The, the spirits of the dead, for the most part, dead people, using them for divination, using them to uh, to help with with my my magic. As I as Peter alluded to, I do have this way of involving uh, spirits of of dead within graveyards to help me out in in return for offerings and for for acknowledgement in their assistance. 
Um, so yeah, it's it's basically that I, I I solicit the assistance of the dead, particularly within a specific locus or location, usually where I live in and around places like cemeteries. I don't go into cemeteries and dig people up. That's nothing. I don't do that. I don't. I, I've had bones, human bones before. Um, those I tend to put back in the, like, I don't go and dig them up. I just want, I buy them ethically. <laughs> it's ethically, there are places you can, in Canada, you can buy human bones. Um, I don't currently have human bones. Those stayed in Toronto uh, because it felt like they needed to be there. I just moved uh, last year. Anyhow, so there's that. There's also this other thing, which is uh, called Solomonic magic, this other word called Goetia, which also might get involved. Uh, so for people, that is literally um, spirit convocation and evo- or sorry, uh, evocation and conjuration. So yeah, that is that that stuff where you what was called necromancy, where I have this thing called a grimoire usually, and I will interact with with spirits in hopes of having their assistance to do things as well. Um, and a lot of times it will involve just kind of having like what would be called in chaos magic, like a servitor. I don't like drawing the correlation between spirit that is evoked through a, a grimoire or a list grimoire and a servitor, although people will make that comparison. Um, they seem they seem to hit differently. But um, yeah, so it's all based around this idea that Spirits of the dead can assist in certain things, and spirits, be they infernal or otherwise, can assist in other things. It's about kind of knowing the capabilities of each. And um, for something like, say, divination and learning what might happen further up on the road, the spirits of the dead ain't that good at that. But if you do crack a grimoire, a lot of these spirits will say they are fluent in trying to, if you conjure these ones, they will tell you a little bit more about what might be up the road. So those are the ones that I will usually go to for said things. But for more earth-based, terrestrial, relational, inspirational-based magic that I have in my life, I will normally do something that I call necromancy, and that is spirits of the dead in the area or my ancestors. So long-winded answer, very different uh, aspects of certain things. And of course, those spirits, the ones that everybody wants to crack, the uh, the Ars Goetia, the Lesokia Solomon, it's not just for like knowing the future. They can talk to you about herbs. So there's herb-based stuff and all this. So they, they, they seem like specialists for the most part. But I have found within my magic for the most part, and it's not, it's not, it's not spooky, although my, my house does have a lot of skulls and stuff around <laughs> it. Uh, I don't dress in black all the time. I'm, I, I do spend quite a bit of time in, 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 in graveyards or, um, in areas in which it's, it's, uh, more ancestor based, um, little, just further up the road is really cool. I just further up the road where I live, there's, um, a wonderful little area here, um, for, uh, the pine, the Chinese, Chinese pioneers here on the West coast of Canada. And it's a really interesting part. And there's a place where you can light off some incense. And, um, I have done that just to, just for rights relations. Like it's not one of those things that I, I make a habit of, but it's just like an acknowledgement. Again, magic is relational. It's just an acknowledgement that people die and things come before you. And if you should be able to have an interaction with, with people who are gone, they're usually a very fruitful relationship. And guess what? We've been doing this for a long period of time. Oh, you don't have an altar to, to your dead. Guess what? You probably have 
like photos of past loved ones on your wall. Yeah, you do. Sorry. Like we've been doing this for a long time. Anyways, that's all I will say. I will get off my soapbox for the most part, but I like all of this kind of stuff. And there is a through line. A lot of people will say that um, the de- the demons, infernal spirits, are in some way connected to the re- the the heroic dead, the revered dead. Yeah, there's you can push on all of that door. Some would even say they're fairies. Some would even say they're aliens. Like there's, then that's the wonderfulness of magic. And maybe that's the 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 way that I'm. That is a nice. Wonderful thing is that I don't know. It's fun to try and find out. Will I ever find out? Probably not. It's just about trying a lot of interesting things. But uh, for the most part, I was that guy that would like, oh, I can choose to be a necromancer in this video game. Cool. I'm going to do that. <laughs> like, I'm going to admit that. Like, there, there's there's something. I've always been fascinated by skulls and bones. Like, I don't know why. I just am. And, and so imagine that. That's going to again my limited understanding would say that because that inspires you and because it's been something that is kind of part of your your imagination even since being a kid that is going to make more effective magic than something that didn't yeah i like angels angels i like the idea of quote-unquote interacting with angels and stuff like that i've tried it not the best results for me yeah maybe it's because i wasn't very good at it yeah, it could be but, because it didn't inspire you. You know, if you're into skulls, then skulls is the one for you. You know, it's it like felt, that's how it seems to work. Like, it's yeah, just about finding yeah. your, whether you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, finding your way or your path. But it's just about finding like your, the thing which sparks off that part of your brain that just sets it into that kind of thing where you go and you start to imagine things it sort of takes you mm. almost it's almost like into a a dreamy place it's almost like into a place where you're i want to say like a child again and you are just inspired we can learn a lot from children in terms of imagination because that's when you imagine things like and i think we said this in one of our very first episodes and i think that that's kind of how it is I think that's how you need I to be so. you need to go back to being that you know and that brings us full circle back to my introduction of you in terms of uh the, the whole childlike curiosity and uh childlike enthusiasm being a, a, an important thing and i guess the conclusion we've just come to is it's also a powerful thing yeah i i think what's funny about magic and what i've learned for the 20 years that i've been doing it is that it is in a way like there is sentiment attached to magic and I, I would be lying to say that it's not. I was, I was, I'm, I was a better magician from the age of like, in, in retrospect, looking back from the age of like five to eight than I <laughs> am now. And it's not because I was just like, I had imaginary friends. The world was so enriched with absolutely everything. And there's that childlike curiosity, but at the same part, at least in my understandings, Magic is also about not just the beginning of your life and when you're beginning to find out your way in the world, but also about what happens at the end. I do agree with somebody like Jake Stratton Kent, who has this idea that like a magic, a personal magical practice is in a way an art of eschatology is to you figuring out what happens when your world ends, right? So magic has this wonderful, like weird seesaw or a teeter-totter where you're trying to like maintain that fire that you talk about, that like that the stuff that does interest you. And for me, it was 
the dead. And so I'm lucky in that regard. But also, like, what's going to happen when these bones are dust? <laughs> you know, and so it's an interesting it's an interesting um, contrast for the most part, and that's that's a way that I contextualize magic because I I do think if you hang around with kids, they're wizards, children, and it's not just because like they're playing make believe like they are in a very magical world. They see the world is alive already for the most. I've never met a kid that's like like Gary from accounting, like nobody, does. Like, those are made. Gary from accounting yeah. is made. Right? Um, He's broken by the world. Yeah. Yeah. Gary. So, poor yeah. Gary, but be, be less but, Gary. Yeah. yeah. But, but I do think there is something to that idea of, of knowing that you have to approach your magic with a childlike curiosity, but also at the, it's also at the end of the day about trying to understand you, the world and your place in it, how you relate and what might happen once you're not here. And it's an interesting one. And it's fun. Magic needs to be fun. I think it really does. I think you should be having fun. And you gents sound like you're having a blast. And your show is is wonderful to listen to because and, and, and I wanted to say this, and I'm not saying this is an insult, but you guys are lucky because you've got you've got the you're taking on the lameness of that midnight crisis in numbers. So you've got each other, and you've got the friendship, and so that's wonderful, and I love it, and it's so good. And I'm happy to hear that the way that the podcast is evolving isn't the thing that you set out to do because that's kind of how magic works. Yeah, and. And that's wonderful. And don't ever just like, don't stop allowing it. And don't just stay fixed in like, no, the show's got to be like this now. This is how we got popular. So this is how it has to exist now. Things evolve. And, and, and you guys are doing wonderful work. And it's been a, it's been a blast. So no, yeah. thank you. That's really kind of you to say so. Yeah. Cheers, man. In terms of the the ancestors and the dead thing, so say if you, you're getting advice from uh, someone who's deceased, is the way I understand it, how would they have more knowledge than you about a situation? What puts them in a position to be able to give you that advice, if you see what I mean? Or am I thinking about things too literally? I don't know. Like that, That's a weird question to ask. And... Truthfully, I don't know if I have an answer to it because I think that like sounds like there's some kind of like a, a mechanism to it. I don't really know. I think as far as like when I talk about ancestors, it's not so much about like things involving what happens uh, up, up ahead or like up the road. I'm mainly asking for like inspiration or help in things that I'm currently doing. So right. um, for for things like looking ahead and like divination and stuff like that, that's when I go to like list spirits and that's when I go to like, to like that kind of stuff or like the things that I've done. So as far as like 
for the most part, the ancestors, it's more to like, just kind of like help me with, help me with predicament I'm in, help me with inspiration and help me with this, with the kind of things that are happening in my world right now, because perhaps you're a little bit more removed. You're a bit more removed from this world. And I know yeah. you're seeing what I'm seeing. Like, I hope because you're there along for the ride. Like that's them right there. Like there's, there's a, they're always close by. I know you see, I know they see what's going on. Do you just have a little bit more wisdom or like, not even wisdom, but just a different context with which to how to view this kind of thing. That's, and that's, that's really it. Cause you know, I'm just thinking about it in terms of like it, a lot of sort of uh, quandaries or problems that you might have in 2023. Someone from 1923 wouldn't understand what a lot of them were because they just don't have the context of like what life is like in the 21st century. But I suppose it's the same as asking advice from someone who's very old. Who, or reading an old book, you know, I yeah. mean, the, the Tao Te Ching or... Yeah, or exactly. The, it's like ancient whatever, wisdom, you know, isn't these, it? And it's like... Yeah. Um, and I suppose if it's... I suppose, again, it's getting out of that way of thinking where it's A plus B equals C, one plus one equals two, whatever. It's like, that's not... One of the things that I feel like I'm sort of getting my head around with magical thinking not using that as an insult by the way is no, the, the way that people who practice magic and so there's a guy on our discord called baz okay and i i really enjoy baz's contributions on the discord um the way he kind of interprets certain situations and the way he interprets like the world and the connections he makes it just blows my mind. I'm just thinking, wow, he just didn't, it's like a completely fluid and kind of almost playful. And I feel like that's almost like one of the things that's kind of important that I think perhaps is, is the answer to what I'm saying about this, this thing with the, uh, with the ancestors or with the spirits or with the, the, the spirits of the dead is that it's not as simple as they know the answer because they're old or they, there's connections that can be made and because we're in this kind of very rigid structured way of thinking that that is consensus reality if you like that is kind of science thinking rationality exactly we don't see it we don't see it like that but if you're a bit more like baz and you start to make all these bonkers like kenneth grant type associations with things and i I get that same thing when i'm reading i've only read one kenneth grant book but it's that same thing. It's that kind of fluid way of thinking. That's just like the you, you had Paul Weston on your show. Like yeah, that's, that's exactly. His, that's his jam. Like yes, yeah, it is. It is. It is that kind of and, and it's. But it, it, the Paul Weston episode changed both of us. I, within four days of recording that episode, I went to Glastonbury because I needed to. I needed to just to, to, to experience what he was talking about. But when we I mean a lot of the vase stuff, we. Um, plan out and or, or just discuss and it becomes plans while we're out walking and i know that when me and buckley were out walking after we'd recorded the paul weston thing like our minds were blown you know because yeah. that way of thinking is is powerful and and it, it, it if you allow it it can influence you in quite nice ways it's like well. it's like there's a there's a i'm not always very good at explaining things but i i, I can usually get it across with a bit of help from hein it's like there's a kind of tight kind of seal and you, only certain thoughts are coming through in a very certain way and thinking more magically and engaging more with magical stuff seems to like open it up a bit and you kind of get a bit more, I guess it's similar to the Aldous Huxley doors of perception. 
type thing yeah. isn't it and it's where you get well, the crossover just with creativity as well you know like yeah. the, the 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 wider you make your aperture and you know the the, the more ideas can rush through, the more chance you have of fortuitous combinations, which is what creativity is, isn't it? Is the combination of different things. You know, nothing pops into your head fully originally formed. It's all the collision of different pieces, you know, making something new out of all the bits that are already there. And I think the, the, the wider you can cast your net, I, I guess, and I think that's what magical thinking really is to me. It's kind of casting your net wider than the, the very narrow tunnel vision that we've, being forced into in the world that we live in at the moment yeah and i guess it's kind of almost applying so i don't struggle with being creative necessarily but it's applying that same creative spirit to your perception of reality as a whole not just yeah. not just the thing the creative project that you're working on but yeah, like so your your life becomes the creative project you're working on yes exactly yeah yeah that's it we, we got there in the end guys <laughs> that's teamwork, well that's done. Fucking teamwork. High five, high five. <laughs> I, I will say, i will say this as well as like as a bit of an addendum just because i've interacted with my ancestors i'm pretty sure that i've got a message doesn't mean i'm going to follow it this is it's where there's an interesting connection, isn't it? The the the, the messages that you get from the, you know, the spirits and and whatever else is it, it connects to the 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 weird stuff that was happening to Robert Anton Wilson and the weird stuff that was happening to John Keel and people who aren't necessarily magicians but are hearing these messages loud and clear and yeah. and they they talk because they're not necessarily particularly John Keel because he wasn't necessarily a magician he was really freaked out by a lot of it yeah. wasn't he you know because as yeah. soon as he started getting these weird messages it, it is but I suppose I, I, I guess what you've learned and I suppose kind of part of or a big part of what being a magician i guess is is learning how to take this information and how to receive it uh, so that you're not freaked out yeah it's it's about discerning it yeah and it's it's about discerning well, like what is good not good sorry what is what is what is like just not like from this little aspect here like my brain like did i come up with that and what actually is from something else and sometimes it's tricky um I have a lot of like I have a lot of auditory stuff, which is weird because I I literally um, had to book myself into a psych ward for hearing voices, so it's it's a weird one. So it's it, that's like something I'm not ashamed to admit. But a lot of times, like I I'll actually hear voices. Okay, um, other stuff, dreams. A lot of stuff do dreams. Like I don't have my dream world can be pretty. It's like sometimes it's really good and sometimes it's really bad. Also look into things like synchronicities and, and the just constant imagery around you and that like Paul Weston kind of like way of like knowing dates and certain like things yeah. and what was going on. Like there's that as well. So yeah, it's just – it's magic in – your magical life is about also creating like your own language. It's about like like what, what, works, what works for you and how you wish to be um, – communicated with the other thing that's odd though as well and particularly when i'm talking about more negromantic um uh negromantic solomonic magic and goetic interactions is um you kind of have to give them an ultimatum as to how you'd like them to communicate and that is important and that's something that's like it's not just like the ancestors was like communicate to me through the through the appropriate channels be they what they may when when you start to interact with spirits or angels it's like this is the only way that I want you to communicate with me. And that's very important. So that's easy. That's one of the reasons I think people like that kind of magic because it's very easy to discern when there be, there is communication because you've already worked that out. Stuff with like ancestors and necromancy for the most part, at least in my, it's a bit, 
It's a bit broader. It's a bit less loose, but I still kind of know when an interaction is occurring or when there's some kind of a message. And it's, it's, it's tough. And it's not one of those things that I can explain to people properly because for some, sometimes it's, it's really, really tough to be able to know when I stop and when they begin, right? <laughs> so within the West and particularly, and I'm not saying this to put you guys down, like you're kind of new to this process. And so when people are new to this process, a lot of times you're going to look for mechanisms and a lot of times you're going to have people on the show um, or you're going to try to talk to people. And this is not to disparage any of your guests Anybody who's going to be on our podcast will try to explain to you mechanisms, particularly within the West, right? Because we love this idea of mechanisms within magic. Um, I think there's a real urge now for us to try and like pull back, at least for, sorry, for ritual magicians nowadays, try and pull back to more um, indigenous First Nations understandings and epistemologies within the world that do not require mechanistic uh, yeah. interaction. And less structure yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, what I really so, like with the shamanic practice. You correct. Know, yeah. You, you, so you say, well, you listen to the drums, you go journeying, and what happens then is your business. That's right. <laughs> and, That's and you right. get, I get genuine wisdom from that, you know, yeah. from, from whatever is is there on the on the other side, you know. And and I've got ideas about that, which I'll probably talk about at some other point in the podcast. But yeah, there's there's a lot less structure. But once you once you've accepted that, that you that there's a lot more possibility as well. Yeah. Yeah. And. Again, like there, there's one of those things that where I'm guilty of it as well, which is to try and like make myself sound like I know exactly what's happening to me all the time. I don't. And so I, so when people go on shows, there is this real urge to try and be like, I kind of know what's happening. I can kind of maybe explain how it works. But when I get down to it and given like a bit of, 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 of retrospective look at things – particularly with my Patreon stuff, I'm just trying to show you how I approach things. It's not a prescriptive for other people to try it, right? I found ways that sometimes work for me. Not a, not even 100%, of, sometimes not even 50% of the time, and sometimes not even the way that I want it to work because that's just magic, and right? And so that's where the skeptics would be able to say, like, everything you do is bullshit because you can't repeat results all the time. Um. And so that's where I think this idea of fun also has to come in, right? Because if you're not enjoying what you're doing, then you're not really doing a good job. So um, a lot of times the voices that get amplified within the world of O-culture are people that will offer up ideas of mechanism within magic. And that's not, and that's not great. Um, a, lot of the, a lot of these people are my heroes, right? And I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to mention names, but... And they're people I, I value and I respect. I'm slowly starting to like back away from that kind of um, trying to like explain to people how it works um, because that is a very personal part of magic. And I understand from people – because I used to get pissed off. I, I used to get pissed off when people would appear on other people's podcasts and be like, so when you see spirits, what do you see? And they just answered like, I see spirits. Next question. I would be pissed <laughs> off like, well, how do you see spirits? I want to learn how to see spirits. But now having seen spirits, I understand why they're so hesitant to explain. Because it's like, I can't explain it. So it makes me look like a charlatan. Because you can't. It's really bizarre. Um, 
So I used to get pissed off. Yeah, when I, the first 10 years of magic, when I'd hear people talking about magic and they'd be like, I saw spirits when I do a Solomonic ritual. And the other people would be like, well, how do you see them? And they're like, I'm not going to talk about it. I would be angry. But then I start doing shit and then the thing happens and you're like, I understand now why there is this hesitance to explain how it works because it goes beyond explanation and mechanism for the most part. So I just tell people now, make magic, magic, do weird shit in hopes weird shit happens. That's all. When we have guests on base, we usually ask them if they can recommend anything, any books, any movies, documentaries, TV series, or music, or anything that they think might appeal to our audience or might uh, relate to the things that we've talked about while we've been here today. Um, <clears throat> wow. Any books? Man, my, well, as you guys know, and I, and your show notes are awesome as well. So it's like it's like, ah, it's good to see that more people are actually – trying to put out those show notes. Cause, cause I grew up in like when the internet first became a thing. And like, my favorite thing was like finding pages that would just link to other pages. Like yeah. that was like, Oh, link dumps. I love those. And I would just like scroll through them. Like I couldn't even imagine what would happen now with all the, all these tabs, but it was your show notes that that made me become a patron. I was, I was like, oh, no. the, these show notes alone are worth my life six pounds a, a month you know because oh, it, it's just like there's so much there's, you can lose yourself in in all those links can't you yeah i do spend a long time doing those show notes oh man like what what is what is the best way what can i recommend hmm well it's 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 weird for people I'm trying to think if they're is there a book that I can recommend to explain magic? No, there's no one magic book. There's like no one magic record. Uh, there's no one like, <sighs> I want to say like, you? because what's that? What inspires you? You know, when you, when you, when you were looking for inspiration, what inspires me, man, <sighs> this is so rough. I will say, <laughs> I, I will say maybe, the book that really cracked my head open um, was Cosmic Trigger One by Robert Anton Wilson. And it's such – like that's such an easy thing to recommend for the listeners. It, but if you haven't read Cosmic Trigger One, read it. It's a <laughs> mind trip. It's really fun. It's really funny. There's some stuff in it that's like, oh, wouldn't wouldn't leave that in now. Yeah. But um, it's a really fun example of somebody who just kind of gets lost in the craziness of the time. And, and does really interesting stuff for you guys and perhaps how you started with like ghost hunting 
I just mentioned it in my last episode, so this is kind of like a cheat because it's like really recent. But last Halloween, I read one of my favorite things that I've read recently. It's a book called Will Store versus the Supernatural. Uh, yeah, I've, I've read his, I've read his other book, the book about storytelling, which is, which was really really good. Uh, but I haven't read uh, versus the Supernatural. It's a phenomenal book, and the beginning is actually terrifying. Um, like he's a really good writer. But for those people who like ghosts or when, when, when people talk about the occult and spirits, I notice the G word is always skirted over because it's like, because we've already, we've been inundated with like really horrible TV shows. And, and this book does touch on those TV shows in a really humorous way. Uh, but there's, there's this other element that we can't disregard what are called ghost experiences because um, there is something weird going on. And that is truly the thesis of this book and that I love about it. There's this guy who I recommend, I'm starting to recommend it to people now because it's like, it's a really good way of like people who are really skeptical about this paranormal supernatural stuff, like Will Storr, who is like an award-winning journalist. He's won every award. I, I don't know if he's won, no, he hasn't won a Pulitzer, but like, Dude has won awards, and this is his first book. And he's just gets to the end of it like so much – when you pushed on the door – when you push on the door of anything involving the supernatural, things get very weird. And it's terrifying. He was absolutely terrified, and he's like, I can't say that ghosts aren't real. So that's another like really interesting book to, to look into. Oh, man. What is – I love books of mythology. So Edith Hamilton's um, book on Greek myths are always really wonderful. I love everything that uh, – there's actually – there is one. There's a book that I'd, I'd like to talk about. And I just talked about it on another person's podcast, so forgive me if it sounds like I'm repeating myself. There's this wonderful book called um, – uh, oh, man. Why do I have to look at it? Science and Psychic Phenomenon by Chris Carter, not the same guy that did X-Files. Um, really wonderful book to look at to see just how skewed materialist science is to try and prove that this stuff isn't real. And it's like, we're like, we're talking like charlatan level, like trying to make people think that what I consider real and part of my world, an active part of my world is not horseshit. Like they're, they, people try to bury this stuff. So that's a really interesting book for people, for people to read. Um, all, everybody read everything Jeffrey Kripal has ever written. Um, everything that Jack Hunter has written. <laughs> like Your, your Kripal <laughs> episode was great. I really enjoyed that one. Thank you. I have two of them. Two You've of them. Two, I've only listened to one. I've only listened to one. Oh yeah. But it was good. It was good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, there's, there's certain superstars right now and Jeff's doing really good work. Joshua Cutchin's doing good work. Yeah. Um, there are people that I that I really that I really admire, but um, for the most part, I'd say let's let's leave people with two. Read read Cosmic Trigger. Read Will Store versus the Supernatural. Um, the Will Store versus the Supernatural is a trip. It is the beginning. Like I read it last Halloween because I was like, I really want to find a book about ghosts, and truthfully, trying to find a good book about ghosts was very hard. I came across this book somehow. And I was expecting just somebody to like shit on ghost hunters and stuff like that. But the beginning of this book is terrifying. It's actually, I was like, I need to close this. I need to close this book and like have a bit of a walk. Because the way, 
just to give away a bit of the beginning of this book, he tags along with a, an exorcist in America. And the people that this exorcist interact with are, they experience terrifying things. And some of the, some of the experiences track um, to stuff that I've experienced. So that's kind of like, oh, all right. Um, but it's a good one because it's of a skeptic who slowly has to be like, something really crazy is happening that's not explained by science. So those are my recommendations. Thank you very I have much. so many show notes, people. Yeah. Just like Vase, please <laughs> check out the show notes. Yeah, we'll, we'll link to a load of your episodes um, in yeah. this anyway, so that people will be able to go through the show notes and pretty much find anything that we've talked about tonight in, in, various, uh, in various show notes to your episodes. So where can people find Douglas Batchelor and What Magic Is This? Best place is just go to whatmagicisthis.com. Um, you'll have a link uh, towards like the bottom of the page or to like the the menu button. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter. Uh, those first two I'm not on very much. I find I find Instagram is is really great for making me um, making me very worried about the state of the world <laughs> and the state of mental illness in the world. Yeah. Facebook is just, I don't, I've never really engaged in Facebook. So it's just basically like when I release a new episode, you'll know about it on my Facebook account. I like Twitter, which is now just called X, apparently. It's not, it's still called Twitter. Fuck that. <laughs> I, I'm going to call it Twitter. I'm, I'm going to keep tweet. calling it Twitter. That's my yeah, reality just, tunnel. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I find it fun, but it's just literally a place for me to like throw. I don't, I never share my personal opinion there. It's like, that's. You share some spicy memes, Douglas. Some spicy memes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Come for the magic, stay for the memes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, put out, I put out funny shit that I don't create. I just think it's funny. I'll put it up. Um, but uh, but everything is available on whatmagicisthis.com. I've got a Patreon. Um, if you think that I'm what I'm doing is kind of cool, it's it's seven bucks American a month. Um, it's if you enjoy the podcast, I literally do as much work, if not more work for my Patreon than I do um, on the regular podcast, which is not to say that I don't like my regular podcast. I love everything I do. I really, really do. It's hard work. It is work. Um, I'm so lucky that it's my job. Uh, and I love the fact that I get as much engagement through my stuff as possible. Um, don't be afraid to reach out to me. I'll just say that as well, people. But everything is just at whatmagicisthis.com. Patreon is uh, patreon.com slash whatmagicisthis. I can say that I really, really enjoy the Patreon. I'm a, a member of a few patrons for podcasts that I really love, but I think that you do the most consistent because the, there's probably more stuff on there than there actually is in the main podcast um sometimes yeah and <laughs> it's it's just it's just uh more in uh, there's more of it it's more in depth um it's really worth it i don't know how you get the time to do all this this make all this stuff but it's that there is just so much on there for, for regular output of quality content i don't think it can be beaten on any patrons you know oh, uh, or you. there's not many at all that could that could sort of equal that so I, I would really really recommend people find their way to that and if people want to find more vase you can get also get us on twitter and instagram and we're at vase and then vase spelled backwards so that's at v-a-y-s-e-e-s-y-a-v www.vase.co.uk is our website and you can find the episodes there you can find all of the episodes on all of the usual podcast platforms as well uh, the good thing about our website is that it doesn't cut off the show notes and as we've talked about today the show notes are very important uh, you can get the soundtrack at 
Bandcamp that was made by our very own Stephen James Buckley. I'm very fond of him. I'm very fond of his music and you can download that and any money that uh, is uh, he makes from that, he puts back into the podcast, which is great. And we also have a Ko-Fi coffee or whatever um, where you can support us. If you have the money to, you can chuck us a few quid if you like what we're doing. If you make a reg- regular donation um you can become a member of our discord which is a fun place to be it's a very fun place to be i'm really enjoying it at the moment it's uh there's a lot there's a lot of fun on there really really good people doing talking about really interesting stuff and uh yeah and please also like follow subscribe and most importantly share uh you know this is the way that these podcast things work you know people share each other's podcasts people recommend podcasts can i just say guys i just say one really quick thing everybody listening right now go find the episode that uh that peter and steven did with uh, mark pilkington um about ufos like particularly what's happening right now he is like one of the most that is a great of all the stuff that you guys have released i really enjoyed that one like that was mark is like yeah, he's just a very special person. And I love that he's a publisher of his own. Like, he's just a really special guy. But everybody, if you haven't heard that episode, go listen right now. It's very it's pertinent right now, isn't it? I mean, come on. He's he's yeah. right on the money with, with how a lot of that stuff works. And, uh, yeah. like, it's it's almost frustrating. It's like I've just said, like, people, for God's sake, if you're not read Mirage Men, you know. Yeah. Like, Everyone should just read Mirage Men and then, and then calm down a bit. Yeah. Well, watch, watch the documentary. The documentary is quite, quite good. I really enjoyed it. The book is really the meat and potatoes. The, the book yeah, is, the book's better. If, it's one of those things where nowadays, if if there's people who are interested in UFOs and the UFO phenomenon, they haven't read that book. It's like, oh, I'm not going to listen to anything you're going to say anymore. Absolutely. Like, and that sounds, like, really cruel. That sounds really yeah. cruel. But it's like... If you haven't read Messengers of Deception or you haven't read Mirage Men, like I can't help you. You're, you're missing, like, yeah, it's it's like you're missing the largest part of the story. <laughs> like it's yeah, like yeah, that's exactly. literally it. It's really important. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Doug. Yeah, it's been thank absolutely you. fascinating, and it's been such thank a it's been such a pleasant discussion as well as as we knew it would be. Uh, but it's, it's been a real honor to talk to you as well. I think that me and Buckley actually joke about this quite a lot before you came on. I think you were the, probably the first person I had down as a guest on oh the when we first started. <laughs> yeah. So so oh. it really does feel like having you as the first guest for season two really does feel oh. like something special. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, man. No, it's been great. Thank you so much for having me on. And you guys talk about me a lot on your show, and I get like a little bit like, oh my god. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm just a dude. I'm just, I'm just a guy that I like this stuff. It's not my entire life. Like it, 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 it might, it's my job. I, I love it. But like, thank you guys so much for, for all you do. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that what I do, I'm not just saying this for all the, like the other listeners of my podcast. I'm, I'm glad that, that my show has touched you too, particularly as much as it has. So this has been an absolute joy and it's been great. I've got to, I got to figure out a way now. Of getting you guys on my show because it's it's got to happen because we gotta we gotta spread the love of bays to everybody else. Oh, thank you, man. Incredible. That'd be great. Thank you so much. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, I've got one more question before we let you go. Um, sure. I've got two questions actually. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do a double header because I can't decide which one's sure. for you. So my first question is right. What magic mm. is this? Oh 
shit. <laughs> for listeners who, who aren't going to benefit from the video feed because there isn't one, Buckley has just pulled his thumb off and he, he keeps reattaching it and pulling it off again. Uh, and it is actually incredible. Yeah, it is incredible. So that, that wasn't, that. yeah, I just thought of that about 30 <laughs> seconds ago. That wasn't my actual question. My actual question is, of all the magicians, <laughs> wizards, you know, and I'm talking, we're including fictional and non-fictional here. So John D has equal weight to say Gandalf. Love it. Who would you most like to have on your show? Of all the of magicians all, ever. All the wizards. Yeah. Man. Oh God. Would it be Crowley? Would it be Sauron? Sa- Sauron? Would it be Merlin? Would it oh, be Sauron? That's an interesting one. Let's bring let's bring in Morgoth. Let's bring in <laughs> oh man it would either be a, it would be a three-way tie between gandalf yoda and john d i think john d would of of people who have lived it's so weird because i go through i go through cycles of d i go through cycles where i'm just like man he's played out everybody writes a john d book like everybody's talking about john d i'm so tired of john d and then something happens like recently a friend of mine came to visit where i live a, a friend that i've known for almost 20 years, uh, he came to visit me and uh, he's a, a book collector and he found uh, John Dee's uh, spiritual diaries, which I, I didn't have. I have a, a like his uh, five books of mystery uh, by um, uh, Joseph H. Peterson. I've read sections of his magical diaries. So anyways, he brought this new book and it's huge. It's a brick. It's the one that's edited by Stephen Skinner. And I'm in like another cycle of like, man, this is, he's such a fascinating, ridiculous, interesting, crazy, amazing character. But I go through cycles of, of when I'm obsessed with D and when I'm not and think he's played out. I'm currently riding the like D obsession again because every time I open up his, these diaries, it's like, this is off the hook, insane, crazy. Like also just like the dude was an idiot, but like he just, <laughs> he's so earnestly believed in what he was doing, it's it's crazy. But yeah, it'd be a tie between Gandalf, Yoda, and, and D. You can imagine D sort of being pretty impressed with the whole Zoom technology thing. Because in a way, he was yeah. he was using a, almost a similar form of, you know, Scrying. the black screen. Yeah. And- I imagine that dinner party with Douglas Batchelor, Gandalf, Yoda, and John D. Imagine the, uh, the conversation that would I go wouldn't around. say anything. It would, it would be- <laughs> I think Yoda and I would just like hang out in the background and then like Gandalf and... and- I always had you down as a Tom Bombadil type guy. I thought you might like him. Bombadil's crazy. Bombadil's cool. Bombadil is like is Bombadil it? is the the animist uh, hero of of literature. Yeah, Tom, I mean, is he a wizard or is he is he? I don't know he's what magic, he is. Isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's a genus loci. He's he's the he yeah. is the spirit of place. Yeah. And like, there's no better encapsulation. Tolkien's not an idiot. Like, and here's the thing: people, people like talk about the Tom Bam- Bombadil. Uh, sorry, I know this has gone on for so long, but it I can fine. talk. It's fine. We're, we're <laughs> past the point of caring now. It's like <laughs> you have to get over the Tom Bombadil hump. Like, man, even when I was younger, I loved Tom. I like Tom. Tom is, I was Tom's the best. I I've got this. I've still got it actually, but I got it when I was I, I was I was a kid, like obsessed with Lord of the Rings. I read it when I was at primary school, sort of before the age of eleven. I'd read it like three times. I was obsessed with it, and I got this book. I was in I was in hospital, some operation, and my dad got me this book called The Tolkien Bestiary, and it's just like this great. Have you got it? Doug, listeners, Doug is now reaching okay. down into his. You've got it. Yeah, it was like there my it, is. it was like my favorite book of 
all time and i just was absolutely i've seen that on your shelf absolutely yeah, I've obsessed with it and it's like all the the artwork in it is beautiful and there's like really evocative kind of almost like woodcut style picture of bombadil um, yes and it's like i could I, that's how i picture him like throughout it's like that book was just like mind-blowing and you might be interested to know there's a um there's actually like a hiking route quite close to us kind of uh prop called the tolkien trail because it's like the 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 college that he went to uh is just is just like probably it's probably about an hour's half an hour's drive from from where where i live um it's a beautiful walk yeah it's a really good walk but i did it with my wife and we got we got very lost um but it's it's yeah it's stunning it's like um and it's interesting because it just came up on my Facebook memories today that it was like five years ago or four years ago, whatever that I did it, it just popped up. When I did it, um, we got attacked by cows. Like, uh, like you know, cows are really dangerous. Like, not a lot of people appreciate that, but cows are really da- We're dangerous. We're pretty dangerous as well. I think that I think they'd be all right with you because you, I don't eat any of their meat. You don't eat any of their meat or even drink their milk. Well, that's true. So yeah, I think yeah. but maybe, maybe they're angry though. Well, may, may, maybe they think that I'm shunning them for some reason, and that they, maybe that's yeah. why they chase me. <laughs> they, honestly, you have no luck. They never chase me, and neither do no. horse flies. No oh, horse flies. Oh god, Wait, I can um, verify though. Yeah, living living in a place that was very rural, cows cows can fuck you up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And people don't realize it. I think that they're, they're one of the most common forms of like death in, in this country. Uh, are of, you of, sure? Of, they're like, one of the most not, common not, not, forms not, of death not, in not, this country. Okay, so so I made that up. But <laughs> but uh, I, I think I think of, of animal of animal killings. I think <laughs> yeah. they're in the top three. They are, we, yeah. we, we, we have nothing else vicious in this. I mean, they're one of the bigger animals that we have really over here. Yeah. Uh, and like uh, and even if you take bulls out of the equation, I think cows cows are just because like this they're just like you know just like a ton of the beef the sheer size of you them know, yeah they, they will shit you up you know a, a cow will shit you up guys yeah really really badly right yeah. so I think we should probably leave it there. this is how the episode ends yeah bovine exploration I love it no I love it <laughs>